record. All right. Okay, it's recording. It tells me avoid legal snaps, legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. Clay, you are being recorded. I gotcha. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> uh, all right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller. Today, we're joined by a good friend of mine named Clay Utzig. Clay, uh, we met probably, a f- what, four or five years ago or so? Yes, four or five years deal, ago. Right? Yeah. Kind of knew each other a little bit before then, but then, yeah, we actually met in person. So, oh, yeah, we um, went to that got- Wicked Time uh, film school, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yep. that's when I, I think that was, yeah, that was one of the first times I met you, yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, got Clay on the podcast today because Clay was actually able to kill two big giant bucks within what was it like three days or four days of uh, each four, other four days <laughs> four days <laughs> two yeah. two big bucks in four days and most people are putting in 20 days for one big buck <laughs> <laughs> and not get to kill like me <laughs> right um but uh but yeah that's what we're going to talk to clay about today we're going to figure out how we got to got to being in those spots how we got in those hot seats and and all the, the tips, tactics, and strategies that he employs to um, to kill these big bucks. Because I mean, you pretty much—I'm not like—I'm not gonna try to talk you up too much, but you pretty much kill a good good deer every year. And this year, you happen to just run across two of them, which is awesome. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah, it's been a good year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, what I'm thinking, Clay, is let's just start with like the first buck you killed. And then we'll hop over to the the second one. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. So, okay. So just tell me. How about you tell me like this? Let's just tell the story of the actual hunt like that day, and then we'll kind of do a rewind to how you got there. Sure. Yeah. Okay, sounds cool. good. Uh, it was October twenty seventh, and. The setting was it had started raining, I don't know, around 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon on the 26th. And uh, I knew it was going to rain until 2 in the morning. And in my opinion, that, you know, just suppresses feedings. And what I've learned or heard somewhere is that, uh, you know, deer need to feed five times a day well what i'm thinking is that that's gonna you know shut down one or two feedings and i'm hoping that this buck that i'm after that i've got a few trail camera pictures of is gonna be held up down in the bottom feeding and come back to bed late in the morning um okay and so essentially you're thinking that that rain is gonna hold him off so he's not gonna go out as early like you know he's not going to go at like 10 p.m he's now he's going to go at like midnight or 1 a.m so then he's going to need to eat longer so then he's going to come back to bed later right exactly yep and i got a trail camera picture of him leaving at 2 a.m in the morning headed directly away from my stand so that uh that a cell cam nope i just i just checked it after you know after it all happened after it all happened okay. um so that's gotcha. just part of the part of the extra details 
Yeah, um, yeah. So in the morning, you know, at this point, I'm trying to get in, get in pretty early because I've got camera gear and I'm doing all self-filming stuff. And um, I have my tree sticks up. I'm hunting out of a tree saddle. And the wind was coming from the northwest, which kind of blows back into where I know these big bucks like to bed in this woods across this, like, CRP patch. And uh, so I'm going up the hill, and I'm coming around the corner on the trail, and I'm, like, 50 yards from my stand, and I'm just, like, inching my way in there and the wind's blowing like into where i think these deer are right like yeah so you're going back to bed so i'm like i'm like yeah i'm like do i risk it this day or you know whatever but i'm like if the deer are still out in the field they won't be there yet so i get like i get like 40 yards from my stand and i hear this like blow like not like like a doe like blowing and just beating ass out of there it was more like just a like a, a mature deer like knowing something is going on weird over there like i don't know i do a bunch of scent control so i didn't, okay hopefully it didn't smell too bad that morning but um so something sure, was over sure. there on this ridge at about 150 yards away just blowing at me not consi- like consistently but spaced out so eventually he calmed down a little bit and I keep going and I get to where I want to set up this Montana doe decoy because they kind of come off the private into the public. And I figured I'm like, this is going to be my ticket. If they see this decoy, you know, sure. it'll help pull you, them over here. Yeah. Are you public. on public ground? Okay. Public ground. Gotcha. All right. Yep. I'm on the edge. I'm on public ground and I have, a good relationship with the neighbor that owns the private and he gave me permission to if there was a deer on his private i could shoot it with a bow not with a gun but you know if something came by he gave me permission to you know i'm kind of right on the fence line but you know talk to him and it was no big deal which was awesome um yeah really nice of him yeah i'm sure he appreciates the act talking to him rather than just doing it or just trespassing straight up oh yeah yeah it's (laughs) i can't do that like inside myself you know the morals to that it's like uh even though it's shooting like you're not even on the property but it's still i don't know it doesn't feel right all right yeah no i Uh, i know anyway keep going yeah so i'm setting up this doe decoy listening to this deer like blow at me i'm just like I should not have come this morning. What am I doing? My deer that I want to kill is out on that ridge blowing at me. So I eventually, you know, took my time, finally got the decoy set up and sneak up into my tree, get about everything set up. I, um, I, I put my Ozonics unit on like right away. And then I've got my backpack with like my big coat. Cause I'm hiking way up the, a ridge or whatever. So, I don't wear much to the stand, and um, so I'm getting all that, and I hear another deer coming, and it it comes from my right. It's still dark out. It comes from my right, and then, uh, like, walks down the trail that I walked in on in front of me, gets to where the decoy is. I mean, it's it's dark out, but he's 
five feet away from my decoy. I assume it's a he because he was by himself sure. coming back. I don't know. Normally it is just a buck at that point. Um, yeah, may not have been. usually be in twos or have fawns or some, something. Yeah. Right there. yeah. So he doesn't, you know, he just kind of goes up towards where that deer was blowing. And by the time I got to up in my stand, that deer had stopped blowing or walked off. But you could tell he was just up there listening to me, trying to smell me, right. you know, what was going on. So was he was he upwind of you? Yeah, no, he was downwind of me. Like the wind okay. was blowing from the northwest Dude, and man. yeah, all the beddies okay. to the southeast. Yeah, no, you yeah, you said that earlier. My my bad. I was no thinking worries. for some reason up a ridge above you in that wind, and then it wasn't. Anyway, keep going. Sure. Yeah, no, actually, oh, like we were pretty much parallel. Yeah. Okay. Um. So the one buck goes through, and then I get my tree, my camera arm set up, and get all the camera stuff ready, and throw my big coat on, and um, just kind of hunker in and let the morning wake up. And start to get light, and it's a good shootable light, um, and I hear something coming to my from my left and that's like from my left at about 80 yards there's like a main scrape and it's where i got my trail camera and i've hunted this property for a couple of years so i know the deer are always right there and that's how i get like my buck recon spot um so he's coming from over there and i'm like oh it's getting louder and he's coming right towards me and at this this point i've got like I'm standing on a limb and I'm I'm tied off to the main trunk of the tree, but it all kind of tips over into like the CRP where it would be getting light. So it just works out perfect for just being in a harness. And I've got two trees right next to me and I'm like, it's coming close. So I go for my camera. I flip the camera on, get it pointed on the trail. That's like four yards right below me. And, uh, um grab my bow and i'm like he's got to be right there and he just literally i see his head and antlers right below me and at that point i didn't know exactly what bucket was but i knew it was big enough to shoot so he he was just slowly by this point he was just kind of munching i guess you would say okay it's acorns or whatever down there and he's not quite in the opening yet but i get drawn back and it's so close you know you kind of like is my grunt call hanging in front of my bowstring or you know i've got these straps and stuff like i'm checking to make sure everything's clear with the shot at like four yards and he had to you know clear a couple more branches and i just i took my time and made sure that you know the this super vertical angle through this deer like line up your peep sight with your sight and you know it's first pin wears his heart and right i got dead nuts right where i thought i needed to be and let it go and it hit right there and he <laughs> busted around circled straight behind me and i saw him go down within 
15 seconds of me shooting him and i was just oh, like <laughs> did that got, really just happen <laughs> yeah did that really just happen and it was so <laughs> early like like perfect shooting light but early in the morning right. you know coming oh, back for sure. from I mean, how long yeah how long were you in the stand uh it was probably dark for 25 minutes so i was probably in the stand for like 20 minutes while it was light out so 45 minutes yeah 45 minutes <laughs> <laughs> mr right oh, man. Guy comes walking yeah, by. teach me how to do that teach yeah. me how to do that right <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean I've, it's... Honestly, I've been in the tree a couple times kill and the biggest buck i've ever shot is like just over 140 and i was in the stand for under an hour with him and then i filmed one of my buddies shoot 143 inch buck too and we nice. were in the stand for under 30 minutes <laughs> it's huh. like you know yeah. I, I i you know it's different scenarios both of mine were in the afternoon but those are like the best when you get in the right. stand and you're like holy crap here he comes <laughs> yeah yeah we're here for one reason and it's happening now <laughs> right yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm planning this all day. Let's knock this out yeah. in the first 30 minutes. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, yeah, so he spun the, around, tipped over right there, and that was that. Yeah, he was right behind me. Um, I had the camera on, uh, but I didn't, I didn't let him walk all the way into the camera frame. <laughs> I just, oh. <laughs> I didn't get any footage of him at all. But, you know, uh, I, gotcha. I got to the point where... I don't let the camera like mess up any hunts. Like I love filming deer and I, if I get it on camera, that's great. But like, I'm not going to wait for the camera. <laughs> yeah. Most times. No, that's like, a, that's a podcast we'll have to hop on and do again. Just a straight up self filming podcast. I get a lot of questions yeah. about that on Instagram about yeah. self filming and stuff. And it'd be great yeah. to talk to, just have a conversation with someone else who does it all the time because right. I'm getting to the point where, like, I like to film and I like to do it all anyway as well. But, I mean, kind of in the same frame as you, like, if I'm, I mean, right now, you know, it's November 14th today. I haven't killed a buck yet. I've had one opportunity and the buck picked me off at 45 yards because he got downwind of me. And, mm. uh... And I just have not been having good luck this year. So at this point, I really don't care if I get it on film. I just want to fill my freezer and get that buck in the bag, you know? Right. Um, so, I mean, the last hunt that I had where that buck did get 45 yards downwind, I didn't even set up my camera. I got in the stand and was just hanging out. But yep. honestly, <laughs> he actually showed up within 30 minutes. <laughs> oh, now that man. I think about it, he showed up <laughs> right away. Like, we were just sitting uh, there. I was with a friend of mine named Jake. We were just sitting there, and then, I'll, like, we got set up. It was this last Sunday, so I think it gets light at, like, 6.15 or 6.30 right now, something like that. Yeah. We got set up by 6, and he came in at, like, 6.32 or something like that. I remember looking at my phone afterwards. And we were just sitting there, hadn't seen anything, right? The wind's just kind of starting to pick up for the day, and you just hear a bat. And I was like, dude, did you hear that? That's a buck. And he's downwind of us. And so we turn around and he hops the fence. I'm like 70 yards off the fence line of my property. Yeah. Hops the fence, just 
comes right at us, stops at 40 yards and just picks up his nose, just eyeballs us. And it's like, yeah, we're getting out of here. (laughs) Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. But uh, anyway, back to back to yours. Let's um, let's rewind a little bit. And I want to I'm going to ask you a few questions about that hunt specifically. Okay. Sure. I don't know if you heard. I was kind of typing them. So when you got in there, um, you said you were walking up the hill off the like off the trail, right? Are you walking right on like an ATV trail on the public, or are you on like a deer trail, or what are you what are you taking to get up there? Um, there's a main like ATV trail, basically. It's um. Okay. This property, they do some, like, prairie restoration stuff on it, and so they have, like, fire breaks and things like that set up. Um, so I was just walking on yeah. a fire break. Okay. No, that makes sense. Um, yeah. And then did you set that decoy up right on that fire break as well? No, so there was uh, a little bit of, well, so right in front of my tree right next to the fire break is this walnut tree that there's a licking branch and like a scrape underneath it. And this is like in the corner of uh, um, a set aside field and then woods and stuff. But that fire break comes along the edge of the woods and there's a little bit of a, um, an area where like the golden rod is shorter close to my stand up from the main scrape, probably like 10 yards from the scrape and rub and like four or five yards closer to me than the trail so like a deer could stand on the trail and look 10 feet into the not super tall grass but shortish grass at this doe okay gotcha okay so you're kind of in a real so you're between the trail you got the trail and then you got a thin strip of woods and then you got the crp um, Am I hearing that right? Basically, it's a fire break on the edge of the woods. Um, okay. And it's a decent-sized woods. It's just like an oak okay. knob clump gotcha. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right. No, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's how the setup was. You got that scrape, which you know from hunting this public piece year over year over year. You figured out that that's a great scrape. And how yeah. far away was that big one? Um, about 80 yards away and they go from one okay. to the other. Gotcha. So, you know, that that one's a good scrape and would you consider that scrape kind of like it's there every single year, like a community scrape, like it's an annual and it's hit by all sorts of different bucks. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a buck grade. Yeah. Okay, cool. Don't yeah. Build Cause that's one thing. That's two. Nice. Oh, also, you just kind of cut out slightly just for all the listeners out there. Clay lives in like a dead zone and he actually drove up on top of a hill just to do this podcast, which <laughs> very thankful of that. I was trying to figure out good ways to do it, but trying to do it in his house and it's reception and Wi-Fi is just terrible. Even though he lives just outside a major city in Wisconsin, it's just one of those little dead zones. Um, but anyway, yeah. So if you hear that, that's that's just what that is. Um, but that community scrape, I've been trying to wrap my head around those more and more. I'm not professional at them by any means, but there are certain scrapes that I've been finding 
that are just every single year there. And it, and it's getting to the point where when you scout in the, in the springtime in February and March, and you're looking at them, there's just holes in the ground and you're like, yep, yeah. that's, a, that's a giant community scrape. And that's what I'm looking for. And it sounds like that's what you like to look at as well. Oh yeah. Because that's get so much of your recon and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yep. So you're 80 yards from that. Um, and you're planning on them, the bucks kind of coming back from the egg on that private and they're going to probably pick up that scrape, hit it up, take it, check it out at least before they head back to bed. And then they're going to come creeping on by as they go to bed. That's the kind of the plan. Yep. That's the plan. How do you find that bedding area? Uh, I just, I haven't never been in there. I went, okay. I went over there twice to recover a deer. I also have permission to do that. But um, okay. I just saw and filmed deer going over there. And I just, I'm just like, I know the movement through that property. And okay. I've never been over there and looked for beds or anything, but I've seen some really big bucks come out of there you know sure. in the evening or going back to there and they know it's safe it's a sanctuary no one hunts it um right no that makes sense one of the other biggest questions i get on instagram often is how do you find bedding areas mm-hmm. you know and that's why i asked you that question and so it sounds like you know just in the morning you haven't ever been in that bedding area specifically but in the morning right. you see deer go that direction and then in the evening you see deer come out of that direction yeah so it's yeah. natural that like yeah that's that's got to be a bedding area yeah yes okay no doubt no that makes yeah gotcha okay so um one of the other things you mentioned was that you're using sticks and a saddle and you were kind of standing on a branch and this buck was kind of like right underneath you how yeah. high how high were you up in this tree Oh, uh, I would say around 20 feet. Um, okay. It's got really good cover up there. It's still leaves on it. It's an oak tree. Um, gotcha. Yeah, and I've never been spotted by a deer in that tree either. Is it just, is it a big tree? No, it's not real big, but there's, um, it's kind of one of those trees where there's like four trunks coming out of the base. So you've oh, got okay. lots to break up in that sense. And there are also a couple nice-sized trees right next to it. And you just completely broken up in there. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I'm just envisioning you with this tree that's like 10 feet around because you said you were standing on a branch and the branch is, you know, yeah. two feet around repeat around right uh, but no I, that makes sense with with all those tree trunks coming up and all those bases coming up that you can kind of just hide right in there and sneak right in there yeah and if you wanted, kinda, go ahead what i mentioned before a little bit is it's on the edge of like the set aside field that's always been clear or a prairie or something so it's it's got like a bend to it you know it leans out into the gotcha. prairie to reach out so that's how in this it's almost like a big y in this tree that's bent horizontal okay. so it's not like i'm standing on like 
a little branch that comes out. I've got like a 10 inch, 12 inch diameter branch with, you know, another one above it that's like right above it. So it's like this perfect kind of space to be in. Natural little spot for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's super sweet. Yeah. No, I remember that. Like, I think two or three years ago, you told me you're like, man, you need to get a saddle. You'll get into <laughs> yeah. anything. You'll get into any tree. You won't have any problems anymore. You'll be able to get anywhere. And I've hunted with a saddle for the last two years, and I totally agree. <laughs> yeah, like, it's a huge benefit. No issues trying to, get, trying to get shit set up or anything. It's just like, yeah, I'll just hook in here, and it is what it is. Yeah. Did you use a platform with yours? Uh, no. No. Um, do you so you just stand on branches or the top of your sticks or what i tried somehow i get lucky a lot of times finding a branch on one side of the tree and then i can have my stick on the other side of the tree and i just like set it up so i got a left foot right foot and yeah especially on public if i'm up in like a box elder tree on private ground or something i'll use foot pegs or most of the time those trees have enough branches you can just yeah. stand up there and trim it off and there's funky bends to those trees too that are really good box elder trees are awesome for saddle trees too yeah no that makes sense i've i've got a few of those in my pocket where it's just like right. you know I one stick and then i can climb the branches and two branches are perfectly kind of tee off on the tree and you can just left foot right foot and you're good to go yeah yeah, yeah, those are the slick. best. It's definitely slick. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so you got in the stand about 45 minutes early. That was one of my other questions. Um, all right, so just looking looking back at this at this whole story here and how you killed this deer, you said you had trail camera pictures of them, right? Or you mm-hmm. were looking for a specific buck or... No, uh, uh, I had been told you that there were good deer in the area. Yeah, I had been hunting a different buck two years ago that was really big, um, and I didn't see him at all last year. And last year, I ended up like I hunted so hard and ended up shooting a three-year-old deer that was all busted up on one side. And I had pictures of them in the last, like, five days. And that ended up being November 16th last year. Um, and okay. it was it was almost the same exact thing that happened. Except for he came in on just a slightly different trail. It was right away in the morning. Oh, my God, th- did this just really happen? Like, this was the buck that, <laughs> you know, I told myself I was going to shoot on camera, on the trail cameras. And just gonna, there was a bunch of three-year-olds running around. And I'm like, you know the big one the older deer that i'm after like i've maybe ran into him twice never during daylight except for super early season but uh yeah i just i was like i'm shooting this deer and then ended up having cwd so that's kind of i wanted to add that in because that's how i have two buck tags (laughs) or had two buck tags you know (laughs) so same tree same thing that happened and so this year I put out trail camera on that walnut tree. That's like scraped walnut tree or whatever. And okay. 
I got some pictures of like two bucks, really. One a little bit younger one, um, an up and comer ten pointer, like his fours were like maybe an inch or something. And then this buck that I ended up getting, he was kind of always just a little bit behind him in time on the camera. But what I noticed was that the second time he showed up on camera, he like fleed from the picture. Like you see him spook from like the infrared. I don't have black flash or anything. These are just browning infrared cameras. I could saw him spook from that. And I had checked it like three or four days after that. So I pulled my cameras I knew okay. there was a good deer there that I wanted to shoot. I have two tags. I wanted to shoot, like, a really nice deer and then try and go for, like, something ridiculous. But, um, so I pulled that camera because I'm like, well, this picture was, for one, at 7 o'clock, which was close to daylight. I know he's in here. I don't really need to know anything else <laughs> at that point. Right. Yeah, you know he's here. Yeah. Yeah. And right. that was Once like, you know he's there, yeah. And you know he's kind of coming in the morning or he's coming in the evening. That's all you need to know. Yeah. And then you can, yeah. No, that makes sense. I've done that before too. And if it's anyway. just like a 2 a.m. deer or something like that, only ever, like he's not living yeah. close enough to there to like really expect him to be coming through until it's the rut, rut. But sure. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I had I had a deer this year that that non typical that I'm chasing. Yeah. So he, I get pictures of him in the early season. I got daylight pictures of him uh, a few times, just running around the property. Uh, and then that like early season would be like you know early September, mid September, late September. I was getting him during daylight, and then once kind of October hit. I'd get him at like between three and 4 a.m. But then the one chance that I had at him was my third sit there. And I like I kind of hunted it just like I did wood public. I just kind of pick trees based on guesstimates and kind mm-hmm. of scout scout hunting at the same time. And then and mm-hmm. I didn't have like any saws or anything. And the one chance I had, he came through at 32 yards and I had not trimmed out any big lanes or anything like that because i just had no idea you know and uh, but the thing was is that i watched him get up out of his bed at 50 yards so when all of a sudden i look up and there was a tail out in front of me i ranged it it was 56 yards and then it laid back down and then it got back up again then i seen a tree just shaking so i'm like oh that's got to be a buck rubbing a tree and then all of a sudden he just pops out at like 55 yards and i was like oh damn you know Mm -hmm. so it takes him a while but he gets into 30 the thing with that the reason i bring that up is because i got trail camera pictures of him at like four it was right around 4 a.m and where he bedded from that trail camera was probably like 80 yards so yeah I, i don't and I was see, and I had the same thought as you is like, okay, if it's a 3 a.m. or 4 a.m. picture, he's got to be, you know, going somewhere else for his bed. But this time he had just gotten to his bed real early. And I don't know if, you know, you know, maybe he was just out feeding early that night or something. 
but I was I was kind of shocked that I even saw him because I checked that camera before I got in the sand, and I was like, oh, okay, right. so he came through here last night. He's in the area, but he's probably you know a quarter mile away or something. Sure, and he's betting on the neighbors or something because the neighbors don't the neighbors only gun hunt. They don't bow hunt at all. So I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, he's probably just over. Um, hmm. But no, that's interesting. So your thoughts on trail cameras is like 2 a.m. deer are kind of deer that that will move to that area to go go get the food and whatnot, but they're not living around there. So trying to really catch them during daylight hours in the early mid earlier mid season isn't really going to happen. You're going to wait till the rut to try to catch them because they'll they'll still they'll still cruise through that area. It'll just hopefully not be at 2 a.m. but at like yeah. you know 6 a.m. or something like that. Yeah, they kind of show their, they'll show up, like, maybe if you get a 1 or a 2 a.m. early October to, like, October 10th, those bucks that come through, they kind of, like, pre-describe where they're going to be come November 3rd, 4th, 5th, is what I've found from trail cameras. It's like... I don't know. They just come back around at that point in time if they're not pressured. Hunting public land is different in that sense a little bit. Um, But I also think in the case of your buck, like he's a big deer and has some age to him. And those deer tend to not go too far too fast either. And a lot of times they have like really small home ranges. And yeah, I don't know if you found that to be the case with that buck or is he man like I, all over? He's, he's so sporadic and I don't know, like, cause in early, early September, mid September, I was getting pictures of him like every week on this one trail camera. Um, and it's a, it's a, the property that I'm hunting is a big valley. And he was mm-hmm. always coming up the North hillside, which goes straight into an egg field on the neighbors. The neighbors own the top of the hill, which is all agriculture. So sure. every week, at least one time a week, between like 9 p.m. and 11 p.m., he'd cruise through there and right. going up to the egg field in September. And then October hit, and I didn't get a single picture of him at all. And that, like on that specific camera... So then uh-huh. I had a camera like up above it in this stuff we call pecker wood. I don't know what it actually is, but it's <laughs> like it's like trees that are like five feet tall and they're like trees, but they got thorns all over them. I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, they're, I mean, Some they're on like, public ground, like patches and they grow really close together. They're like plum thorn bushes or something. They, yeah, they could. I mean, they're like, in Plum general, they're like probably what my buddy calls them. Okay. Yeah. They're like two inches in diameter trees. They're yeah. just small. They're just, so anyway, I had a camera up in the, there's a bunch of those. So I had a camera up in an opening there and I never checked it at all. And then I went and checked it and it's only probably 40 yards from that other camera where I was consistently getting him. And I didn't get any pictures of him until October. And then he started coming through this one specific gap 40 yards away. So, and it was the same time frame from 9 to 11 p.m. 
going up to these egg fields, he was just using a different route. I don't know. And I don't know why I couldn't tell you why. Cause I, I only checked the cameras twice. I don't think it's me. Um, yeah. It's not like I'm just running through the whole place. I, I don't know. But anyway, there, that was on like the Northwest side of the property. I was getting him consistently on a community scrape on the Northeast side of the property, which is probably like 200 yards away. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he was, yeah, I mean, he was hitting that scrape pretty often until October. But so I thought I had him kind of pinned in a home range. Like, yeah. I bet you half my property is his home range because I do not have any pictures of him on the Southwest side of our property at all. So I don't, th- I mean, I don't think he's using it at all. Um, I, I had a bunch of cameras over there, but there's a guy who lives up the road and he owns like a little kind of bait and tackle store type deal and sure. um calls i call this buck groot because it looks like he's got roots growing out of his head and mm-hmm. he calls him the reindeer and he's got pictures of him all up and down the valley as well so mm-hmm. oh, and the valley is probably a mile and a half long or so mm-hmm. and he used to the guy who owns this store used to hunt the property that we bought so and he's he was chasing that buck too. He ended up shooting a, a nice eight point, like 140 inch chase eight point or so. But nice. uh, uh, but he said, "Oh yeah, the reindeer. Yeah, people got pictures <laughs> of him all up and down the valley. No one's been able to get a chance at him though. He's he was a lot smaller last year. This year he really blew up. And I was like, shit. I thought this was my little secret. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, if he Apparently makes it through this year." year. Makes yeah, this year. I know. He's really going to blow up. Yeah, I hope to God. Like, I just ho- I hope that he makes it through. I because th- there's like within my prop within probably a half mile of my property begins three thousand acres of public. So oh, man, he's definitely killable on public during the rut for sure. Yeah. Um, it's a hard hard to get to peace on the public but it's definitely doable because he really only has yeah under a half mile to go and that's nothing for that for that deer if he's chasing a doe or something like that so right i don't know we'll see see how that story turns out i'm not i'm still going to be hunting him you know heavily on all i still have all my trail cameras running uh the last picture i have of him is october 24th coming into my property at 9 p.m which is weird because hmm. he's coming into my property from the egg fields at 9 PM. So I, I think he was across the street and he got bumped out of there or something like that and just came over. I, I don't sure. know. Well, that's all, all the other pictures on that exact same camera is are him coming back to his bed, the same direction, but they're, you know, between three and 5 AM. They're not at, 9 p.m. So uh-huh. I don't know. Huh. I don't know what the hell that deer's up to. I'm I yeah, uh, I don't have any pictures of them and you got nothing or yeah, no, I've checked the one community scrape where I got him all the time. Um, I haven't got a single picture of him since October 16th or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I since moved that camera, I've hunted that spot a couple times, but I you know. I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, I'm, I mean, you know, one of the things that's 
that I wanted to talk to you about as well is it sounds like you've been haunting that piece of public for a few years now. And for me, like this is my first year we bought the property at the end of August. Yeah. So I didn't have a whole hell of a lot of time to pre-scout or anything. So I am super excited for spring so I can get out and actually bust through bedding areas and go check everything out. Sure. Uh, that's re- going to be really exciting for me. But, you know, one of the things that I try to tell people all the time is the more you hunt a property, the more you learn a property, the better the better results you're going to get. Oh, and yeah. a lot of people hunt who, who like people seem to think that if somebody kills a big deer that like, oh, man, they must be a great hunter. And some of them are for sure, like are a great hunter, but some of them might just have a single tree stand that they hunt year over year. And it's just a premium spot, you know, and they've learned that property so well that all they need to do is hunt that tree stand from November 3rd to the 5th. And they're going to kill a big buck every year because that's big buck. just like that area. Yeah. It's kind of like, (laughs) yeah, kind of like your spot, you know? And the thing that I try to tell people is like, those killing trees, they exist on a ton of properties on a lot yeah. of them. You just got to find them. And that's the hardest part is finding those killing trees. Because once you do, you know, you can go back to a spot just kind of like you're, you did last year and this year, you can go back to a spot year over year and it's just always going to hold good deer and you can always kill good deer out of it. Right. Yes, sir. It's definitely yeah. one of no. the main goals. <laughs> find that tree yeah, for, sure. <laughs> for sure find that tree so so tell me how did you find that how did how did you get to that point where you were like this is the tree so i had hunted well i had originally scouted it um you know in february or whatever and found some rub lines and some like um you know flat areas amongst you know edge habitat where the main trails would come through or whatever and i just i found this one spot um there's like a a ravine that a pretty good trail cross and um i'm like well i'm gonna try this tree you know it's the first time i'd hunted the property and i think at that how long was that three or four years ago I think it was, yeah, three or four years ago. Three years ago? Yeah, okay. three years ago. Uh, and then, so I hunted this tree, and I did put a stand up. Um, or like a, I hunted it with a hang-on stand that I would have to I, take in and out or whatever. And wasn't the greatest, but uh, I had some pretty good hunts out of that tree. I ended up filming like a really nice nine pointer came in with a or a doe and a like a buck fawn were messing around right below me and this good nine pointer came from where my killing tree is down the way and right in front of me and i got some just amazing footage of that deer um for like 15 20 minutes and uh that hunt happened and then i spotted this absolute giant um out there while i was taking like a break driving around the block and uh i was so i was basically 
in pursuit of this deer in multiple different spots with my my uh, climbing sticks and my tree saddle. I would see where he would be, and then I would try and cut him off and sneak in and get up and rattle or whatever and call him. And, sure. and then something would happen where the a doe or a different buck spotted me and blew out, and I'm like, well... You know, I climb back out, get back in my truck and figure out where this deer is. And I see where he's headed and and then I get back yeah. around and get into a different spot, which back in that same spot where my my original tree stand set up and I see some more deer coming through where my killing tree is. And uh, eventually I moved the next year kind of above that and had a like I took a a stand location far off from anything so I could see a ton. And I just glassed these deer from two, two, 300 yards away and uh, realized I'm like, Ooh, I need to be right over there. <laughs> right. So yeah. That's, yeah. How no, that's, tree. that's how, okay. So essentially you sat, you figured out, you sat there, you sat in the original tree, you just picked a tree on at, not at random, but what you thought looked good, you know, three years, let's just call it three years ago, you picked a tree that you thought looked good and you sat there for a while and sat there, you know, four, five, six, seven times, realized that all these deer were moving through a specific area and then actually took another step back and said, all right, where in that specific area are they really moving through? And then you found your, you found the spot where it's just like, man, all these deer are going right by this tree or this area, this very narrow area. And so then you hopped over there and that became the killing tree. Yes, sir. Yeah. Okay. All these deer, all these bucks yeah. would move from the bedding to this edge and just, I would film them from long ways away, just raking and scraping and like six, seven bucks at a time um on this edge and i'm like man they gotta come close you know at that point right so then i moved over there kind of on top of the um noel moor and had some luck had a a few up-and-comers you know come through right below me and stuff but one of the bucks that i was trying to kill um came right through where the killing tree was and Eventually, I it was like later in that second season that I moved down there, um, and then I ended up shooting that buck on the sixteenth, and then okay. this year on the October twenty seventh. <clears throat> no, that makes sense. So then, how did you? I guess what I'm trying to do is for anybody listening to this, is that you know when you're looking for spots, you're not going to find them right away. You know, like what Clay did was usually, I mean, Clay only sitting two times, only sitting that first tree stand and then taking that observation sit and then moving in. Usually not two times. That's usually like anywhere from like six to 12, 15 different sits to really figuring that stuff out. It's pretty rare yeah. that you get lucky enough that you can key in on it that fast. You know, right. I know like I've done it too, where you just like, 
where you get lucky and you just you're like, you know what, this tree looks good. And it actually turns out to be the perfect tree, you know, and there's times where I have sat, you know, 15 to 20 times in on a piece of public different areas before I figured out, oh, if I need to sit over here, like this is where if I'm going to kill a deer, I'm going to kill it here or I'm not going to kill it at all. Or you also like vice versa, you might figure out, man, there's just no killing tree on this property. I got to switch up and get out of here. I got to find a new Mm -hmm. piece. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had that happen plenty of times, too, where it's just like, man, there's so much sign. There's so much sign. And you sit there, you know, three, four five times. You realize it's all nocturnal and you're there's Mm -hmm. like no way you're going to kill anything in that area. Yeah, there's the rut. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for, like, the first or second sit, too. Especially, like, the yeah, definitely the first or second when you've never been in there. Or, you know, I'm saying not, like, like that first year I hunted all over the property because I never wanted to sit in the same tree more than once or twice. And that's kind of sure. how I always do it until I find the killing tree and then i only need to sit there once or twice <laughs> when it's right. a good yeah, time i'll yeah, hunt yeah. there early in september because i'm bored and i need to hunt and maybe i'll kill this deer early from this spot but then i don't go back in there until october 22nd or 24th if i get a good cold front or something if there's not one i wait till 26th or 27th to, to get jump in there, in yeah. there. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, one thing. Okay, let's talk about this real quick, and then let's move on to your second story. We're at. We're actually at almost five zero minutes now, so okay. I want to this up in like an hour, hour fifteen. Um, yeah. But tell tell me about your doe decoy. Like, did that thing actually do anything? What did that buck do when he walked up to it and stuff? So. The buck that I shot, he was four yards down to my left. He never okay. saw the decoy, had no idea it was there. He was just munching on the ground. Um, didn't see it at all. But I had hunted there on the 24th and in, in the morning. And I had three does come through right below me on that same trail and then a fork buck at like 815 or whatever. So, you know, I'm sitting there in the tree and it's getting to be 815 and I'm doing this exit interview with the camera, you know, like, uh, you know, I I do have two buck tags. It's the perfect morning, obviously, because I already killed a really nice buck. Um, Yeah. And I'm like, I just need to wait. Like, I'm going to start packing up. I got a lot of stuff in the tree to pack up. And, you know, I just said, like, oh, yeah, this is kind of the active time. And I look over, I'm like, oh, there's a good buck on that ridge. So remember (laughs) I said in the morning, the one deer was blowing a little bit on the ridge. And then this other deer comes through before light. Well, so I see this buck. I get the camera on him. And I grunt a few times. And he looks over and sees me and stuff. And then I snort wheeze at him. Uh, and, and he keeps walking a little bit and then I see him look back. I'm like, huh, he's like intentively looking back. Um, so I, I moved over to like my louder grunt call and did like one like aggressive grunt and then a snort wheeze. 
and he was still just sort of up there. So I, uh, I have a black rack and I hit my black rack together just like fast and hard and, and then stopped and mm-hmm. hit together again. And then he just started running basically right to me. So I throw the, my black <laughs> rack in my, uh, pack and I get the camera on him and I'm filming him coming through this, you know, goldenrod reeds and he walks, walks in front of where that scrape tree is and i just put the camera on wide angle i'm like i'm gonna kill this deer he's a he's a mainframe 10 pointer broken off brow tine his threes are um or his fours are not very long but i've seen this buck for a few years now he's got like a bowwinkle looking rack it like sticks out wide and so he comes in the opening and i get to full draw and he he moves through the opening slowly and then goes right to the scrape. And there's a bunch of yeah. branches in the way from there. And I'm like, well, I had to let down. So I let down. And he stopped scraping, started to walk towards the decoy. And at this point, he's about 10 yards away from the decoy, still behind branches. And he stopped. Or as soon as he started walking, I drew back again. And then he stopped behind all the trees for like two and a half minutes. So I had to let back down. (laughs) And at that point, I'm like, I'm not going to shoot this deer because what I saw was he was looking back at the big nine pointer that I was hunting last year. So I got footage of him, the nine pointer coming across too, which I assume was the deer that was blowing at me um, in the morning. He was up there on the ridge. This younger buck that I called in, which I think he's for... So I'm just like, whatever, I'm going to film him now. So I film him, and he walks right up to the Montana decoy. Like, I could have killed him 30 times at 15 yards, and he just (laughs) was looking at it, looking at it. Like, he stood in front of that decoy for three minutes. Like, he even stomped his hooves a few times, like, to, like, get it to move or something. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) so and then he yeah yeah what are you yeah so then he kind he doesn't booger off he just kind of starts moving away and as soon as he got like 40 50 yards away i just railed on my antlers again to get to yeah thinking that that other big buck okay this deer went down there to check it out he got in a fight i'm gonna go check it out but that never happened um he just went off and i was shaking like a leaf and finished my 25 minute <laughs> video clip with did that really just happen i almost doubled from the same tree <laughs> oh my gosh that's crazy yeah that's intense. yeah yeah so yeah. doe decoy worked for that buck and yeah so all right oh that's cool i i've never done a doe decoy or a decoy at all for deer but it's something okay. i'm going to pick up doing just essentially for fun um yeah I've, I've never really thought about it on the public just because i didn't want people to like see it or anything like that that was just kind of my own stupidity in doing that i just whatever but sure. now that i've got this private to hunt like i can oh, haul out you know a nice little decoy and just set it up and not have like any big issues about it you know and not like just be like yeah i can put antlers on it i could leave it as a doe or whatever you know, and hopefully it might be able to draw some big old bucks in. I've used some decoys <laughs> in the past. 
they've never been the Montana okay. decoy. And what I like about that, it's like, it's so small. It's like one of those metal frame things that you just like fold into a little circle and then wrap a that's what string I mean. around it. That's what I so yeah. So yeah, no, that thing sounds like if you were to do it. So I've done some research on it, and if you were on public, that seems like the thing to do because you're gonna, you know, you're hauling your saddle, you're hauling your sticks, you're hauling your camera gear, hauling your Ozonics unit, your jacket. Yeah. Got all your other crap. I'm not gonna haul yeah. in a big plaque, like you're <laughs> no. right. I'm gonna. No. I, I would rather do a piece of paper like that. You yeah, know? exactly, exactly. Um, all right. So let's let's jump forward to your next buck that you killed, and let's hear that story. And we'll kind of pick that one just a little bit, and then uh, yeah. and then we'll wrap this. Yeah. So it sounds good. Second buck. So the second buck, uh, I ended up taking him on Halloween. One sec. For for anybody listening, Wisconsin, you mentioned this earlier. Clay, I'm just going to, like, formalize it or clear it it up. Please do. it again. In Wisconsin, if you shoot uh, a buck and you get it tested, so CWD is a big issue in wisconsin right now it's affecting a lot of the deer herd and it's spreading like wildfire essentially if you get your buck tested and it tests positive for cwd they issue a second they issue you a second buck tag for the following year so clay shot a cwd positive buck in 2018 so in 2019 he was issued a C kind of like a CWD rebate tag is what I'm going to, that's what I kind of call it. And then his regular tag. So he gets two bucks to shoot in 2019 because essentially the, the DNRs kind of saying because this buck had CWD, a, it was going to die anyway within the next couple of years. And B you have the choice to keep or discard the meat based on your feelings towards CWD. And so we're just going to issue a issue you a second one anyway because it's not going to hurt our herd, and we thank you for getting it tested. It's essentially what they're doing there. So I just wanted to clear the air on that so that everybody, nobody can say like, no, you don't get two buck tags. That's illegal. That's that's how you do get two buck tags in Wisconsin. Yeah. So, anyway, test your bucks. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that as well. Test, test all the deer that you get, you know, yeah, test your box. Test all the deer. Yeah. It's really going to help if you're well, Wisconsinite or I mean, Illinois even got some, Iowa's got some, Minnesota's got some, uh, get your deer tested because if nothing else, like you're going to know that it's not CWD positive or you're going to help your state wildlife and game off or fishing game offices like learn about where CWD is and stop the spread of it. So yeah, that's my little public service announcement there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but anyway, okay. So your second buck, hop into that story. It was Halloween. It was Halloween, and again, like my first story, this weather dictated what I did, and it had started snowing uh, the thirtieth. I know all the kids were pretty rough on going out in the snow during uh, Halloween or whatever. Yeah. And so it snowed most of the night and 
I didn't hunt the morning because it was just wicked nasty out there. And I just, I figured I'd get out there while it was still snowing uh, to, you know, cover up my noise, my scent, all the things. And I wanted to, so this property is not very big at all. It's a, it's a two acre native. You're not on this. Okay. You're not on this same public. Yeah. I'm on private now. Okay. A private piece of property that I, I do, um, I have a native restoration company on the side and I trade them prairie maintenance for archery hunting permission. And it's the total property is four acres. This is a two and a half acre um, native prairie that I actually planted. Going, going big there, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I planted this prairie six years ago. And okay. my aunt owned the property before. And for whatever okay. reason, like hunting permission didn't work out. I just didn't want to, you know, bother with it, all that stuff. But they sold the property. And I became good, good relationship with the new owners for like the prairie, like maintenance and everything. And they're like super into it and just, it's their park. They absolutely love it. It's gorgeous. Okay. So I maintain Sweet. it for free, which I, it's, it's my baby. I do, you know, as much as I can for it and yeah, clover, clover, food pot, fire breaks and whatnot. Uh, but so I get out there during the snow. I check my first trail camera, and there's not too much on it. And it's on a fence post on the neighbor's property that he gave me permission to, you know, put it on this fence post. And I, I had originally planned on hunting in this cottonwood tree right next to that trail camera because the wind was from the west, the northwest. And before I hunted there, um, the wind was more in the north, and I, some deer ended up uh, sending me down downwind. So I wanted to make sure my wind was like blowing towards the neighbor's house. And uh, gotcha. I ended up checking the next camera, and there's not much going on there. So this this property is probably. 100 yards, 150 yards wide. So I move over to my next camera, which is more like over my water hole. And there wasn't a whole lot going on. And then I checked my next camera, which is next to like where the thick stuff is. And there's a, there's like really two ways that the deer can move through this property. And that camera had two mature bucks on it. And I'm like, well, I need to be right here. <laughs> so, yeah, that's even kind of the an wind, easy process of elimination. Yeah, yeah. Even though the wind like was kind of blowing through the whole property, um, I figured if I could get up into this tree and still be able to shoot into the prairie, but I had to cut down a couple branches um, up in this other tree so that I would be able to. Um, shoot down in there and I had my my handsaw with me and at this time it's like 12 30 um just afternoon so I climb up into that tree cut down these two branches like decent sized branches three inches or so and 
um, I get down and I rip them down out of like the canopy ish. There's buckthorn and stuff in there. It's pretty thick. And I look over behind okay. me and there's like a three year old eight pointer, like just just had walked into the like the frame. I'm sitting there. I'm standing <laughs> there on the ground looking at this deer. And he's like looking around. He never saw me. He just heard all the ruckus from cutting down the branches. And yeah. uh, and, and then he just kind of turned around and walked off. I'm like, all right, well, this is going <laughs> to be a good day. <laughs> yeah. Right? God, coming into cutting branches up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like there was a fight going on or something, you know? Right. Yeah. So no, that's awesome. Okay, so you see that one come in. Don't shoot him. You're on the don't ground. You're a stalker. Yeah, I yep. don't even have my bow. Like, my bow's, like, leaning against a different tree. Not far, but I obviously can't move. Yeah. So then, after that, uh, I needed to go get my top rope, which was in my original tree stand. Then I got kind of winded in. So I quick skied over to that. It's, like, 30 yards away, and climb up there and as soon as i get to like the base of the tree stand i have a tree stand set up in that tree for my nephew he's nine years old and he comes with me every once in a while and i hunt with the saddle and he's in the stand and so i get to the base of the tree and right by my first trail camera two does come popping through and they like smell where i walked in because i had set my pack by that other tree and then i'm like man there's two more deer and I'm not even hunting yet. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then a little buck crap. comes behind them. A little buck, like, pushes them into the prairie. And they kind of go off under some big Norway spruce trees. And then uh, I grab my stuff, grab my pole saw, and then go over. Sure. And I needed to cut down two more branches from a buckthorn tree to get a shot into the prairie for sure. So I did that. And turned out that little buck came in just like that three-year-old buck and he walked through the same path and i'm just watching him on the ground and he starts to get like almost downwind and i just i snort wheezed at him like with my hand or whatever over my mouth yeah um yeah just to like alert him and maybe like oh there's a big buck over here get out of here before he gets downwind and smells a person which it worked. He kind of just stopped and then turned around and uh, went back. That's a pretty cool tactic. Use that to not to let small deer not wind you. Yeah. Snort. That's that's him. legit. I like that. Okay. Anyway, yeah, keep you don't want to educate anybody. <laughs> uh, the deer, right? especially. Yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. For sure. For sure. No, I like that. I've never thought of that. That's a great tactic. Yeah. Anyway, so keep going. So eventually I get up in my tree and get, you know, all the stuff set up and I'm sitting there and the wind's blowing pretty good from uh, the northwest. And I don't know, half an hour later, I look, I'm looking over into like this honeysuckle that's up against these trees, the really thick spot that like doesn't even look like you could walk through. Uh, I'm like, is that a brown spot in there? And sure enough. Like pull up my binos and upwind twenty yards away from me is a bedded doe, and it looks like she's by herself. Can't really see much anything else. So like, my like, God, oh, perfect. Her wind is blowing like 
to me and then well she was just up the way a little bit so it was blowing towards me but into the prairie into the edge where i can shoot i'm like perfect like that's exactly what you know that's coming through here yeah they're gonna smell her and be like oh uh so i kind of kept an eye on her and i never hunted out of this tree before and i was in my saddle and it's kind of like a weird tree it kind of went up and gets to like a knuckle and then the branch the trunk goes out towards the prairie so i don't really have like anything vertical in front of me and the trees kind of lean in so i was figuring out how i'm going to shoot in these different directions um so sometimes you can kind of like pivot and then almost just hang and have one foot on a peg and uh um yeah and and get a shot that way uh so i messed around i did that i figured out what i was gonna do for every direction anything came and uh eventually i just look over and see this deer standing there i'm like man that looks like a really nice buck like i'm gonna try and shoot him (laughs) i did turn my camera on uh i end up he comes directly downwind for me i've got my ozonics blowing that way he walks directly downwind and within five yards of my uh uh tree that i would have been in downwind of him you know but i thought i needed to be in this thick stuff and so he's 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 coming along the edge of the prairie to where i can't shoot and uh um i draw back because he's going to come in the opening and turns out he walks into the brush right where i walked into the brush and he's right below me in this brush and i'm like (laughs) well and he's just standing there still i'm like shoot i need to let down because i can't you know i can't hold anymore i can't twist anymore this way and i'm gonna be totally screwed if he does (laughs) keep walking right below me so i let down and I'm like, well, I'm going to get my camera over here. So I I kind of look over to the camera and adjust it so it's right over my shoulder looking right down. And I look up, and he's gone. I'm like, where did this deer go? He was right there. <laughs> I literally look away for a second, and he's gone. And I'm like, he's got to be somewhere. So I'm like looking, and then this hedgerow is pretty thick, and I could see him moving up directly downwind of that doe and I look over to where that doe was and she was gone out of her bed and I hear him start moving faster and start grunting I'm like oh man okay. I just totally screwed this up so I <laughs> I I started I have like a um a, I can't can't remember exactly which grunt call it is but you can slide the thing to where it goes from grunt to like doe to fawn and I've had been oh, practicing sure. i know like it's the extinguisher yeah. grunt call yeah yeah so i grunted a few times like a doe or a buck was chasing a doe and then i doe bleeded or whatever and nothing and i just like snort wheezed a couple times and i was just like he's gone and i'm like well the only other thing i can do is pick up my black rack so i slam those things together and i look up and he's he'd already started coming back and he was right there at like 15 yards I could see him through like the <laughs> thick hedgerow. I'm like, oh crap. 
Like, it, yeah. So I quick through the antlers back into my pack, grabbed my bow, could see him start. He was walking right where he came from. I drew back and he walked right through the opening that I cut and I stopped him and, uh, you know, took that extra couple seconds to really settle in on some vitals and just let it fly and go. double lunged him and he bolted straight 60 yards and into the base of this pine tree and got all tangled up and never left yeah. from underneath there <laughs> I saw yeah i saw that that story that you put up with that buck yeah. in there it's it was so unique. weird that's awesome man 15 yeah. yards too geez yep. so you shot yep. one at four yards and one at 15 yep yeah <laughs> And you got all these guys there that are like, man, you got to be able to shoot out to 60. <laughs> I don't even know, man. I don't know if I would be comfortable. Dude, I, uh, no, I, I shoot, I shoot out to 60, but right. my, my like effective range, like in a stand, like, man, I'm, I'm trying to get sub 30 every time, yeah. you know, I, I would rather like, you know, and there's something about some about shooting a deer at five yards versus shooting them at 50 yards. You know, right. it's so cool to get so close. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, no, that's, that's cool. So he got tangled up in that pine tree, but I mean, he went down right there. You saw, you saw both of them go down, which is yeah. always a huge relief to see them tip over. Just yeah. like, all right, good, good hit. You're done. Like, I don't got to do all this crazy tracking or nothing. Like, oh man. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. On a four, yeah. on a little four acre piece. So you don't need much, man. No. <laughs> and then you just need the right no. killing tree or the right spot. Yeah. yeah, that's that's cool. We'll have to do another we'll have to do another podcast. Like we'll talk about self filming, we'll talk about saddle hunting, and we gotta talk about uh your prairie restoration stuff too. Because I think oh, yeah. that can be very valuable for a lot of people in terms if they have private property that they're looking to put stuff together on. And personally, like, you know, just owning this new property, I'm very interested in that as well. And just kind of learning a lot more about that. So I joined QDMA just to get a lot of information on that kind of stuff. And uh, sure. just trying to figure all that out. But yeah, yeah we'll have to do, do that. I've got a wealth of knowledge and lots of, you know, old school farming practices and techniques to stay away from lots of chemicals and things that you really don't need to be exposed to as well with all that restoration stuff yeah i hear roundup's a good killer right now of weeds and and humans <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> exactly um, all right well awesome no we're rolling on an hour 15 here and Kay. um and i mean the the second hunts fairly straightforward i don't have you know private property you guys kind of manicured that a little bit but you kind of yeah. said you just check your trail cameras and that's how you're able to figure out where to go what would you have done if you didn't even see a good buck on any of the trail cameras would you have still hunted it or would you have just kind of left it and gone somewhere else no i would have still hunted it but i would have hunted it in that furthest east tree so that all my wind was blowing not onto my property that I can hunt. Right. It's just more conservative, and I still might have been able to kill him and grunt him over there. I mean, it wouldn't have been far or anything like that. Uh, that's the only thing I would 
do different. And definitely with this property too, I put cameras up uh, and left them till September 22nd, 23rd. And it, if I didn't have any shooters working through there, I pulled them um, just because I didn't want, you know, that random shooter that comes through and sees your camera and spoofs and then never comes back again sort of deal. <laughs> sure. Sure. Oh, that makes sense. So I've, yeah, I have, I have different thoughts on, it. I've never had a camera or a deer. Like I've never seen that personally myself, but I hear about it where yeah. I've never had a had a deer spook at my camera really. Or I, or if I have, I haven't noticed it. You know, sure. I usually set in shot bursts and a lot of times you get deer just like staring at them for a while and then just walking away versus yeah. spooking. At the same time, I've hear, I hear, hear that as well where they do spook and then it's like shit they'd never yeah. want to come back to it. like there was that weird thing over there that freaked me out mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yeah that makes yeah. sense yeah all right man but well yeah, thanks for coming good. on the podcast appreciate it i really yeah, appreciate no you problem. climbing the hill to get that service <laughs> right <laughs> and yeah no as i go along you know this is episode 11 um so i'm not too far in i wanted to get 10 episodes under my belt personally just to make sure that I actually am going to do this and prove to m- myself personally that I'm going to do this. And I haven't done a podcast in a couple of weeks, but I got a bunch lined up for the next couple of weeks. So, um, see so yeah, how we're rocking them out here and, and yeah, you'll definitely have to get on, you know, we'll do some spring scouting ones. Cause I know you like to do that as well. So right. we'll do some on that and we'll start doing, you know, some more, uh, wildlife style things in the early in the spring and in the summer in terms of those, um, like the, the habitat restoration and stuff like that and the prairie grasses and food plots and all that kind of stuff. So yes, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll have to make that happen. Yeah, all right, man. We'll have, we'll have, what's that? I, I was going to say, I assume we'll have more to podcast about after gun season too. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully we both, are able to do something there i know i'm super curious because that public land is so close to mine i have no idea if there's going to be some sort of huge push you know out of there and it's all going to come into my property or not i'm not sure what do you do for gun season do you go private or do you have public that you hunt so this private that i got i can only bow hunt on it and so I go there and the gun hunters from the South pressure these deer in this area. That's never really been hunted because this property hasn't been, they, they still don't know it's been, it's being hunted in my opinion. And it hadn't been hunted for like, yeah, just bow hunt. I'll, I'll bow hunt Ah. gun season. If I go out with my nephew onto the public, I'll bring the rifle and we'll just trade off or whatever. Sure. Oh, that's cool. Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'll follow your Instagram. Oh, yeah. If you guys want to follow, follow Clay, look him up. It's a water boy and it's <laughs> like the movie. You bet. Exactly. It's, uh, <laughs> so there's no vowels in water. So it's just W T R boy. And just look him up on Instagram. Um, he's got oh, a massive 307 followers. So just kind of one of, those, <laughs> one of those guys, but the first three photos I've got your, I got your account up right now. The first three photos are giant bucks. So 
and then it's a lot of a lot of hemp. <laughs> yes, sir. DVD. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All so day. anyway, yeah, that you guys can find Clay and uh, yeah, look him up, hit him up on the DM, let him know that you listen to this, and and if you got any other questions, hit him up there, or hit me up on Instagram as well. Um, again, it's always Deervane, D-E-E-R-V-A-N-E. All right, Clay, have a good rest of your night, man. Appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, you too. Thanks for having me. All right. See you later. Bye.